0: Hallelujah, don't forget to write down when you come into an agreement, one with another four, and uh, I believe that, you know, you join your faith, one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand, amen, hallelujah, and that is a scriptural infusion of multiplication of power, hallelujah, praise the Lord, well, I just, hallelujah, Phyllis, let's take a couple questions first. Just off the cuff. Uh, so, if you have some questions about some of the things that we've been uh, preaching on for the last three or four weeks, uh, you know, raise your hand and, fellows, come back there and get, give you a chance to ask the question. Well, good. I think there are maybe they're all getting it, fellows. Hallelujah. What do you think? Or they're
1: afraid to ask, afraid you'll yell at them.
0: <clears throat> no. No. I don't yell at anybody you know somebody oh, geez, come up son. to me Sunday morning and said pastor are you in a better mood I said son I've been pastoring for 36 years I don't get frustrated I don't get put out with people I don't get offended if I was offended if I got offended I'd have quit a long time ago and went and work at Walmart and uh, I am not here because I need the money I don't need the money I have I can do other things with my life I survived before I ever came and pastored a church and I will survive after that and so I'm not here for a job I'm here because I have a purpose to fulfill and I'm going to fulfill it on every hand so he asked me well well you know are you in a better mood I said I wasn't in a bad mood I got up I had four messages that morning I uh, had two of them already written out I had another one that I had written out had one in my mind when I hit the steps God said I want you to go to Genesis so I went to Genesis started preaching on hard places and then all of a sudden the Lord just spoke to me and said that's why they are the way they are despondent because they just do not understand they have to push through hard places so God put it in my mouth If so I said did you, I went home and licked my wound because I felt sorry for you and uh, I don't apologize if I spoke anything out of the scripture that's fine and dandy then bring it to my remembrance if you challenge my motive then that's totally out of your ranks of pay because I did it in love because I did because you needed it and because the church has to remember that you know what there is the place that we are given to rebuke, to chastise, to strengthen, to instruct with all long-suffering. People forget that. That's all a part of a deeper love. You know, anybody can love with flowers, but God says he loves whom he chastens. And so, God has a plan and a purpose for us. And uh, so, we made the agreement that I would give you what you give to me. And uh, so, I'm hopefully, that keeps going on. and We get to hear some great revelations of scriptures. But we as Christians are participants. We are not observers. And to insult the presence of God when we come into the house of God, say, well, well, I wasn't one of them. Well, then, okay, you're not one of them. I wasn't talking to you. Go to sleep. You know, but don't try to tell me how I'm doing and what I'm doing. I've been doing this for 36 years. If I ever do it for my own personal gain, or in a manner that comes out of anything than love and care and concern for you, I will, as by myself, to stand before honest and integrity with God, I will leave before you ever ask me to leave. Understand that? So, so I'm in a great mood. Hallelujah. So when Phyllis says, oh, don't you yell it. Anybody that has a voice that is beyond what you think is nice, you want to consider yelling. Now, I don't yell at you and I could yell at you, but I don't choose to yell at you. Look, I have a job. I get to preach the gospel to people that God love and that I love and hopefully that love me. Now, I get to preach that gospel and it gets come out all different ways. Some save by fire and some save other ways. And you know what? There are times you just have to deal with people, attitudes and everything else. And uh, on that Sunday morning, to give you a good example, there was a young man getting baptized. Two-thirds of our congregation was still in that foyer while a young man was declaring his faith. If you think that's acceptable, that's not acceptable. That's just downright stinks. And so... It's my job to put you into remembrance and to say, oh, well, we thought because we wasn't shouting and jumping. No, shouting and jumping is a byproduct of your inward fire. So, you know, I can preach to cold people. I've been doing it for years. And and there's always a group of cold people. Always the people that, you know, want me to do something else, want me to do this, want me to do that. I can only do what I feel led of God to do. Amen. And that's what I'm going to do. So, do I have attitudes? I have no attitudes. Praise God. Absolutely not. Praise the Lord. I just don't have differences with people. I don't let people get under my skin. I don't try to get under theirs. How long have we been in, in walking together, Philip? Over, well over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Have I ever had a confrontation with you? I, I, I have. I've said, Philip, this is wrong and this is right. You do what's right. Amen. Yes. But I've never had a confrontation with you. No. Never, ever separated from you. Never, no. ever treated you like you had wronged me. Even after, if I have to get on your case That's and say, true. Philip, that was wrong. Absolutely. You do this and you do what's right. Mm-hmm. We'll get up and go have a cup of coffee. Amen. You're going to be hard pressed to find me put out with people. Amen. If I get put out with people, I'm put out with God. See, you, you cannot break people in God, and you cannot break his relationship with them Amen. and his value to them. Amen. That's why if you don't love God or love your brother whom you have seen, there's just no chance in a million that you're really in love with God. Amen. So, hallelujah. And so when Phil said, oh, they're afraid you'll yell at you. Oh, no, just no, a you're just teasing. Don't Yay. tease, Phyllis. You offend me when you tease. <laughs>
1: oh, I do not.
0: Yes, yeah, you're right. I am, I am. Now, what do you got? Okay. Uh, what is your favorite verse concerning when somebody makes the statement that I'm just a sinner saved by grace? What's my favorite verse? The verse of agreement. You are a sinner. <laughs> just agree with them. You're a sinner saved by grace. No, if somebody says that to me, well, you're just a sinner saved by grace. I say no. I am a man redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only have I been redeemed, I received the forgiveness of sin. Not only did I receive the forgiveness of sins, I have been reconciled unto my Father by the shedding of my, uh, of shedding blood of Jesus Christ. I once was an enemy, now I'm a friend. I now have access unto my Father, the same access that Jesus Christ himself had, that every believer has, and that I come into the throne of grace boldly, and that I'm a child of God. Now, how they think about their self is not up to me unless they ask me or they're under some place that I have a voice in their life. I don't have a voice in many, in everybody's life. The ones that I have a voice in, then I get to speak to. The ones that I perceive would be offended if I said anything, I don't have authority over them. I have periodic access if I preach what they wanna hear. You understand that and lots of friends lots of relationships that we have in the kingdom of God are not not uh, relationships of access they are relationships of permissible Expressions or opinions But if you really have access as a friend Then you are there for adversity and you can cause it and the friendship won't be broke now The problem with the whole world today is this. The love of many has waxed cold. Mm. And so when this iniquity, and it is iniquity when your love waxes cold. That is a transgression. Mm -hmm. Mm. Somebody go to Matthew, the 25th chapter. (laughs) This is a horrible thing. But if you, your love is waning... You have already fell into the snare of iniquity. Can I read that there, David? Uh, Matthew, the 25th chapter, and let's uh, see if I can find this. Uh, I'm looking for where Jesus tells us that... Uh, The love of many, where the love of many will, iniquity will abound. The love of many will wax cold and uh, many will be offended. (coughs) Is it 25 or 24? Ah, it's 24. I think it is. And, uh, okay. And it says this in Matthew 24. I'm sorry. I said 25. Matthew 24 and verse uh, 10. Well, let's go. Well, let's just go to verse 8. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And that he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. So when we get into love going downhill, getting to the place that we cannot bear people's shortcomings, their inabilities to be what we want them to be or need for them to be in our life. See, lots of friendships are based on personal need of others in our life. And so we, we, in one sense, we don't have friendships to deposit in. We have friendships to take from. And as long as our friends do what we want, then our utopia is safe. And that is, that is a dangerous place to be because friends like that will never rebuke you. Friends like that will never question you. Friends like that will never call into question what you're saying or what you're doing. And that may be why they're your friends. And if they are, you need to get some friends worth having. Amen. Could have given an amen. Absolutely. Amen. Jesus, his brother, speak clo- stick, sticks closer than a brother. But he'll rebuke you, buddy, in one Jewish moment. And won't be bothered if you walk away after it's done. Because he will not be responsible for condoning your sin. So when it when we fall already into iniquity We got to realize and our love starts going down Then we are part of the iniquity that is abounding Because anytime you start separating yourself from love You're joining yourself to the senses And saying as soon as you join yourself to the senses Now it gets into manipulation, usury, take and to not give It's uh, all about you and not about others. And that's not what friendship is. Amen? So lots of friendships we have uh, protected or limited access to. But if you really have a friend in your life, they will sacrifice the friendship, which it may cost them that. And if it does, then it just shows how low in love that the one that was offended really was. Amen. Yeah. And uh, so we have to be able to have friends around us that have access to us for our well-being. Amen. And so it's important that we just don't let people just wander around, do whatever they want to do. But having said that, John, you can't respond to most people that say anything to you. I'd like to say that that wasn't true but it is true and the reason is is because the iniquity that is spreading because of the son of perdition across the world and so when you look at things like that uh, you understand that lots of people don't have a voice into your life even your friends and if you don't have a voice in a friend's life they're just a friend at your fingertips. They're not up here. They're not going to keep you warm. They're not going to go battle with you. They're not going to lift you up when you fall. They are fingertip friends. And, and in, in churches, you have all kinds of people because we are all different makes of people. It doesn't mean that we're wrong, but it means that this is that you have to recognize the type of people that you are with. You know, some people say, well, Pastor, what, what do you think about this? I say, I don't want to tell you I'm not going to tell you why because it will bring a breach between you and I and you know what you've already resolved the problem you know what you're going to do you already told me what you're going to do you're trying to entrap me I'm not going there been there too many times Well, I just want the truth you can't handle the truth and uh, it's a truth it is true and so we have to be careful. And, uh, you know, if, if people could have dear friends that would walk through them with a the fire, that'd be great. They would lay down on a bed of nail you. that's great. They're going to lay down on hot cold you. that's going to be great. But the friends that are like that that you have in your life are probably going to fit on one hand in a lifetime. True friends. Now, friends that want you to listen to them, And Be their garbage pit and their spew barrel then you got plenty of them you got plenty of them and As long as you listen to that and be their spew barrel and you know their pit They like you, but if you say well, I don't think you should say that You're not gonna be friend for long You're gonna come for hot tea and it's gonna be cold Amen. All right. Yeah, what you yes, Joe? I was given the uh, question today, uh, and I wasn't really for
1: sure, but other than give it to, uh, you know, go through God's word. But uh, if somebody's in a relationship and they separate, uh, then they go their, go their separate ways. Uh, one's still in faith, one's uh, separated in sin. And the one in sin remarries, finds out, okay, I've done wrong, reestablishes their faith with God. Reconnects with God, according to First Corinthians chapter seven. What is your take on that? I mean, it's as the as the person being what the Bible says that you have to be, you know, the entire, you know, to that spouse for their life. It's better for them to be.
0: Well, the answer is in Deuteronomy twenty-four. Can you turn to Deuteronomy twenty-four there, Bob, Let's see your and uh, from verse one on down. God gives a uh, writing of divorcement because people cannot get over small things. The Bible says they find any unclean thing in them that they end up with a hardness of heart, Jesus said. But in the beginning it was not so. But in Deuteronomy it tells us that when a man puts away a wife and uh, she goes and becomes another man's wife, that God has guidelines for that Uh, divorce and an attempted union. It says this, for when a man takes a wife and marries her and it happens that he find she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her. Just a speck. Doesn't have to be much. And uh, he writes her a certification of divorce and put it in her hand and sends her out of his house When she had departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife. So any woman that goes through a divorce and is put away or a husband that's separated from, they are free and uh, really God tells them they have the liberty to marry again. If the husband detests her and writes her a certificate of the latter or the second husband writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it into her hand and sends her out of his house. Or if the latter husband dies and dies who took her as his wife, then her former husband who divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after she hath been defiled For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So, in God's eyes, it's an abomination. So, we would say, absolutely not. Now I've had people come up to me and say, well, you know, God heals. it. Well, God's word doesn't change. Yeah, but, you know, it was they just made a mistake. So has every sinner. I'm sure Adam meeting said, hey, come on, it's just one. Come on, it's just one piece of fruit, man. Come on, God, chill out. No. Bible says that it's an abomination unto the Lord. So it can happen, Joe. Well, he made a mistake. He should have thought about that. That's the forsaking of faith. When he forsook the counsel and the wisdom of God, he positioned himself to be a fool. And he created a fool's life. And so even though we hate it, uh, you know, we, can't, we are not any wiser. And we are not above the counsel of the Lord. Well, I think you do. That's why we have this so we don't have to think. We get to have our new mind. Amen. And I know that it's, it's hard. I know people that I would like to see get back together. But absolutely, I would not condone it. Well, they're just going to go out and get married. Let them go out and get married. But I will not put my approval and say, yes, your husband and wife. Realize if you go against God, then you get to take your chances of how it's going to come out but to shake your fist at God and say, I'm going to do what I want to do because I have an emotional attachment, then go ahead and do what you want to do. But in the end, you'll regret that as much as you did the first mistake you made, if not more. So it's, it's pretty simple. Yep. Okay. Yes.
1: Uh, last week when you started the uh, uh, word about the hard place, uh, for some time in my family, have been dealing with anxiety, mm-hmm. the anger, rage, and fretting that frames the doorway to evil. It's just off the charts at times. But when you were speaking about that hard place, I got to thinking about anxiety and the hard place that it is. And my question is, as is, is I'm thinking, right, when I read this verse, because after you gave all that you did in Genesis and everything, I was sitting there one morning and the Spirit of the Lord brought me to Genesis six six, And it says, now I'm wondering if this is, this grief is anxiety. And it, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And, and when I read that, I thought, well, I'm not alone in dealing with anxiety. God was grieved in his heart in what was going on in the earth. And, and when I read that, Then came this to me right shortly thereafter. But God in his love sent his son to set us free from this hard place, this anxiety. And I was wondering if I was right in my thinking
0: on that. Well, first thing, being grieved is not anxious. Anxiety means to be... uh, Anxiety is... To be negatively affected by the thoughts that you have. It also is connected to being fearful. Uh, unsure of the outcome. God was never unsure of the outcome. Because Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. So the outcome was never questioned with God. So God wasn't anxious or worrisome about what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. He's going to send his son. Some will believe and some will not believe. And so he knew that when he created man. And that's why he slew uh, Jesus from the foundation of the earth. But anxiety has to do with the wild, uncontrolled, negative activity or negative thoughts about any situation you're in. That's what anxiety means. It means that you have no rest. It means that there is no certainty. So people that are anxiety, uh, in anxiety or are anxious about things, they're constantly going over them over and over. They get a resolve, then they become negative. They get positive, they become negative. They're almost like the double-minded man, and there is no place. David would save his soul. Soul, why art thou cast down? Let's you and I hope in the Lord. Because David was being bombarded with negative thoughts. And you have to, in order to deal with anxieties, what you have to do is you have to have the ability to take control of your thoughts, and you can. The reason that people don't keep control of their thoughts is because they keep forgetting what they're supposed to think. Thus, you write them down. God gave us in, in Philippians the fourth chapter verse six. Six things that the thought of man is to be connected with. Think on these things that are honest, that are good, that are pure, that are holy, that are just. You have to think on certain things. Jesus told us in Matthew, verse 24 on down through uh, 33, these are six things you don't think on. Stop thinking about where am I going to get clothes. Stop thinking about where am I going to live. Stop thinking about what I'm going to eat. It doesn't mean that we don't plan and stuff, but when you are vexed by that, those are things that are going to destroy your faith. But the basis of thinking on the six good things is that don't be worried. Some or anxious in anything, but with every, with every thought, commit those things to God in petitions and prayers, and then the peace of God with, that passes understanding shall keep, your heart, and your mind. And so when you are worried about and you don't set faith in motion, then you're always going to be anxious. And anxiety starts in the mind and ends up coming out of your mouth. Because you're going to speak with the abundance of your heart. And if you're filled with negative negativity here, you're going to speak it out of your mouth. You're always going to be talking about what you're worried about, what's not going to happen, and, well, maybe it won't happen and all that. That's anxiety. God doesn't do that. So God doesn't really have fearful thoughts, and he doesn't have thoughts of, of negativity. He doesn't even think negative about his enemies. He sent Jesus to die for him. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Yes, Phyllis? No. Good hallelujah.
1: Anyone? Oh,
0: God, okay. you stay my friend If not fast, I'll kill you amen. Praise the Lord. you keep agreeing with me and saying what I say and thinking how I think <laughs> yes in our fast we talked about the anointing would you uh, add to that or speak to the company about that okay uh, anybody know what the anointing is any ideas an anointing is simply a place that you are set in. It is an enablement by God to stand in a specific office or to accomplish a specific deed or feat. Now, what makes people say, well, you mean I'm, I'm anointed to be a, a Dishwasher? If that's what you have a skill for and you're set into it, you are anointed by that. In other words, you're consecrated to do that job. Now, when we talk about the anointing, we say things like this. Well, you know, it's a, the anointing is tangible. No, the anointing is not a tangible. The presence that accompanies the anointing is tangible. Yeah, see, you can be in an office and be anointed, but that doesn't mean that the presence is always gonna come to confirm that office. See, see, people, oh, the tangible, oh, the anointing was there. Well, if there was someone said in an office, yes, it was. But if you're talking about being an anointed, being anointed. And then having a presence with it that's an entirely different thing but each and every person that had been anointed they have been slapped rubbed with an ointment and have been set apart for that office just like the Levites and the Aaronic priesthood was anointed they were anointed boom but in first Samuel there is no presence with the anointing because Eli's sons were anointed for that office and they were sleeping with the ladies or the daughters of Israel. And there was no presence. In fact, at the end of the story of Eli, it was Ichabod what departed. The glory of the Lord hath departed. So you can be anointed And the presence of God not be with you. But I thought the anointing, you know, the anointing can be uh, caught, but it can't be taught. That's a Christian cliche you need to erase out of your book. You can't catch the anointing, God anoints you. You can't catch it, it's given to you. Well, well, can you catch his presence? No, but you sure can do what it takes to invite it and to create it where it becomes a residue on you. Amen? Amen. So see, we we always talk these things, and, and, you know, we say lots of things about it, but really we say things that we don't even know and don't even make sense and don't even line up with Scripture. We just say stuff. We are sayers. We just... We say stuff that we don't understand. And so we have to just look at the scripture. It's real easy. You know, I'm telling you, I know this is going to amaze you. Now, I've went to college for 40 years. I've never went to college. But I, I have this instinct that makes me start smart. If somebody said it, I'm going to go to the Bible to make sure God's in agreement with what they said. And so, if God says, He anoints me, okay, God, what does that mean? How you, boy, praise God, what'd you do, God? God has divinely authorized me and enabled me to stand in this office. That's anointing, the Levite priesthood the Aaronic priesthood and then it comes with the presence to stand in or to demonstrate this office to the fullest and it has to do in the proportion of the faith that you have every gift everything about you operates in a proportion of faith it can't operate beyond that now remember Jesus came anointed by the Holy Ghost, and with what? Power. Wow, power. And he went about doing good. Entirely two different things. He was anointed Messiah, but he went to the wilderness and returned in the presence that confirmed that anointing. Not before he returned in power did he ever do one miracle. Did he? Was the anointed Messiah? Absolutely. So we sometimes say stuff that we just don't know. We talk about stuff that we don't know. We adapt cliches. You know, anointing's not taught, it's caught. Well, it'd be nice if you teach it, and then maybe we could catch it. No, we have to, just basic intelligence... Go to the Bible, not Wicca, witchy, Wicca. Don't go to stupidville, go to the Bible. Because Wicca doesn't believe in Jesus. So we want to make sure that we just understand. So what is anointing? It is God's touch. It's a. An- at a salve, it's an, an, an infusing, a fragrance upon you and putting you in an office. You're anointed, you're consecrated, you're sanctified. That's what anointed means. Vessels can be anointed and so forth. So you're anointed when you are set into an office. Now what you have to do is to pursue God to... Have his presence abide on the office that you stand in. That's why Paul says, well, let's, let's make it real simple. I hate to take all these rabbit trails. They just make me dizzy. But listen, how many apostles do you know today? Have you ever ran into some or apostle this or apostle that? Sure. Come on. How many of you? Absolutely. Raise your hand. Don't be afraid. We aren't going to ask your name. Okay. Now, which one of them has the signs of an apostle with it? But there's lots of apostles. I've been approached to join a group of apostles. I mean, they're going to give me cards and everything. An apostle by the scripture not by self-appointment, demands an abiding presence to confirm the anointed position that they're in. Why is that so hard? Why is it hard? Because we want people to be something even if we're deceived in what they are. If they don't have the goods, they ain't a duck. Could have given it, yes, hallelujah, it's the truth. Yeah, we have prophets that never prophesy anything that is coming to pass. Well, you know, the Lord showed me there was going to be a storm in, in North Carolina. Well, that doesn't mean you're a prophet. You should have told us that before it came. You should have told us how long it was going to be there, how many inches of rain was going to fall, how many people were going to die, and what was going to happen. Tell us! But don't tell us that you knew it before it happened. Now, I think that there are many prophets across the United States of America, that, and prophets are geographical. You can have a prophet to churches or to a denomination and stuff and not be a national prophet. And there are prophets that are really speaking the truth. And they're geographical prophets, so their voice doesn't go across the nation. And I think that they're prophets, and I think that they're true prophets, far more than those that are handing out cards and saying they're prophets. Amen. Well, they prophesy. So did Philip's daughters, but they weren't prophets. Amen. All right. No, Philip, get me a question.
1: Sure, Scott, she's just telling you that.
0: Pastor, can you do, uh, explain uh, a little bit more of the love waxing cold? Love waxing cold. Okay. Here is here's a, here's a real stinger. Now, everybody in here say, Pastor, I understand. You are using this as an illustration. I have had people threaten to leave this church if I ever mentioned our president's name again. No, no, no. You were just as bad on the Bahamas. On, not on the Bahamas side. What was his name? Obama side. You were just as bad, just as bad. Sending me emails, wanting me to make statements, political statements about Obama and this and that, and you were just as bad. Now you're repulsed that they have taken your place. I'm repulsed at both sides. But when I mentioned his name in a teaching, I said, I'm using this for an illustration. But I mean, I got emailed that said, but you know what, if you want me to go, go to this church or that church, just, just mention his name again. I thought to myself, this is how far love has chilled the body of Christ. That a person, a person, a person in the image of Jesus Christ would dare speak against a leader. Paul was smote in the mouth and he said, Why'd you hit me? Does not the law, and they said, He is a high priest, he said, You should have smote me, because the Bible says that we should not speak against our leaders. But because of the coldness of our love, it has emboiled this political hate. Now listen to me, Republicans and Democrats. Because you are all in your brains, you're a spiritual mess. When you can hate one party over another because they don't do things your way, the fault is not them. The fault is yours. Now remember, Ben asked me, so I'm telling him. (laughs) But when you can get mad and refuse to walk with a brother or refuse to be able to reason with him and talk sanely, Without getting in a rage, there's something wrong with you. Now, I mean it. And you think, oh, well, it's just my political savvy. No, it's not. It's your lack of love. How dare you insult a leader of a nation when God said you should not? You know, and all of those little cliches that you threw out about Obama You know, they're all still remembered by God (laughs) until you really repent of them. They're standing against you and they will stop blessing. And all these little cliches and these thoughts against our president. Right now, Donald Trump, that you're supposed to be praying for, lifting up and bathing in prayer. That we might have a peaceable declaration of the gospel of Christ. And you rise up in outrageous rebellion. There is a problem in the heart of believers. And when a man or a woman in a congregation, when the Bible says, don't threaten one another, but then you threaten me that you are supposed to be joined with and that you know and that you have proven over the years to make sacrifice for you week after week and to preach you the truth, and you choose somebody you don't know, a party or an individual over me, how dare you bring me to such a cheap place? Absolutely. You know, don't ever judge me by somebody you don't know. You, you don't have that right. And I'll say this, and I say it only for the safety of your own spiritual life. I should be the most protected individual in your life besides your family. You are never receiving accusation against me without a witness of somebody that was right, there, when I said it, they knew the content, they knew the basis of it, and they knew the story inside and out. You have no right to receive an accusation against me, and you certainly don't have a right to make one. Now, now, having said all that, Ben, what happens is, it's not just the love of the brother. That is a byproduct of Of the lovelessness that the world's effect is having on the church. And then what we do, because we get away with saying things and doing things to people that are not born again, that same lovelessness comes in to the church. You can't love or hate the world and then love the church. You can't do it. You, you, We do not have the spiritual finesse to finagle hatred and love one with another. And so all of this is happening simply means this is that we are getting more callous to the cares and the concerns and the needs of a church of everybody else. And so all of this lovelessness and this diminishing of love that comes into the body of Christ, whether it's from outside sources or inside sources, it doesn't matter. We are to love our enemies. Amen? But when we intentionally, despitefully wish that people fail, that's not love. Absolutely not. Love has never changed. It's eternal. Just go to 1 Corinthians, to thirteen chapter, and see what love is. Amen. But then the, the such perversion is that you can walk with somebody for 20 years and then threaten them that you would leave the church because I mention a man's name, Threatening is a form of witchcraft, the work of the flesh. Galatians, the fifth chapter. No ifs and buts. How would you like me to come to your house and say, I'll tell you what. You ever talk to me in that tone again. You will be sitting on the back of the pew, brother. You're right, you wouldn't. I am not a common piece of trash that you get to choose whether you like or you don't like. People are brought to a church, they are rooted into a church until there is a transitional or movement by God that takes place in their life. Nobody is ever to be moved by offense. Nobody is ever to be moved by uh, likes or dislikes. People are supposed to be committed. Amen. You know, I remember the day, uh, uh, you, you, in the days you used to go to work, you shook the hand when you got your job, and you shook their hands 35 years later when they gave you a cheap gold-plated watch. That was, you know, that's how life was. But today it's not. There is no longevity. And I don't talk about, I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about the overall churches. I'm just telling you, overall, churches just have no concept of loyalty. And if you think they're gonna hold their faith until the end and they're gonna be saved, the first threat, the first opportunity, the first lean time, they're gonna bail out. Yeah, times are going to come when our faith is gonna be tried because Jesus said, When I come, will I find faith? It's gonna be tried. But we're going to have to be so sold out, love God enough, and love the brothers enough that when we go to heaven, we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But if you can be negative, if you can just speak against, if you can remember somebody's faults, if you're always capitalizing on what they do and what they don't do, there is something wrong in the heart of the believer that has those attributes. And they are not love. Well, Jesus said, well, that fox. Yes, Jesus did say that, and he said it one time. So you can't make a doctrine out of it. It has to be in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now, I understand that he said that. But I tell you what, Jesus never would have said what half of us has said about our political leaders or about their parties or anything else. Right. And out of that type of same lukewarm love, bin, you have nation against nation. Culture against culture. Yeah. It's like a... I've been called a hundred times the hillbilly church. Now, I don't know how they paint us as hillbilly church i mean we don't have southern gospel but the ones that make that statement are typically black churches and i have a problem with people saying they've got white worship they've got black worship they've got hispanic worship where did you ever find that in the bible we worship god now whether they have the music you like or not that's irrelevant That's irrelevant. But see, we are slipping all of this deceptive abomination into a people that because of their love level are very palatable to offense. To offense. Why are people offended so easily? No love. It's all about themselves. If I can offend you to get you not to be faithful to God, you ain't got much.
1: That's absolutely right.
0: If anything that man can do to me can get me to recant my faith, I didn't have much. How'd you like to have been John when he went home the day after he got boiled and on and said, hi, honey. Oh, my God, what happened to you? Just another day for Jesus. <laughs> How many people Would have allowed them put their toe in that hot oil before they said I don't believe I don't believe Listen Either we love Jesus and we're sold out or we don't love Jesus There can be no ifs and buts there can be no in the middle Just just get in love and suck it up and do what love does Just do what love does and quit doing all the other stuff and quit trying to make people live in your belief system in your opinion system your opinion your belief system is going no further than your life and When the dirt hits the top of your coffin two weeks later people are going to forget your name Stop thinking you're going to be here forever. You're not You've heard the old saying She'll be looking for another man before he's, he's cold in the grave. Huh. Phyllis be thinking of another man as soon as I check out. She's going to be every 30 seconds. Is he brain dead yet? Is he brain dead yet? Is he brain dead yet? She tried to get me to tell the lawyer, yeah, Phyllis gets to decide when the plug gets pulled. I said, absolutely not. Ask me. <laughs> Don't be letting Phyllis pull no plug because the guy will be going plugging, plug in. And she'll say, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I'm telling you. Now, I want her to get married again. Just to see, just to see what she'd been dreaming of just is not what, as good as she had. Hallelujah. So I, I want her to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All these years, she said, I'll tell you what, I could have got better. yeah." You know, when she gets over on that other side, she'll hear my voice. <laughs> I told you so. I t- well, she can't talk to the dead, but didn't say dead couldn't talk to her. I told you so. <laughs> so, no, look, I'm telling you folks, you, you know, th- just know this. Jesus said this. They'll know you by your love. And when you can take off, make accusations, and be mad in yourself yeah. against somebody because they said a name, I, you, good. That's good. Well, you know, but I pay my tithes, <laughs> it's a big deal. Paying tithes won't get you to heaven. Amen? Amen. Okay, there you go, Ben. Now, you like that? Hallelujah. Yeah, praise God. Listen, the reason the body of Christ is not maturing at a catapulting rate uh, is because there is not enough love to be able to discern and apply truth. Yeah, that's, that's one of the big reasons that the body of Christ is not mature. Because we can't handle truth in a way that is unselfish. Unselfish. You talk to married people that are going through a married problem for saying they do. Yeah, yeah, but uh, what? Well, here, you're supposed to love your uh, wife. Yeah, I know it, but 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 what about her? He he ain't even got the foggiest idea. What Christianity is all about. Amen. He doesn't even know what marriage is all about. Amen. Amen. Are there any kids in here? <laughs> he should have just got a woman, made booty calls, and cleaned the house oh, because that's what he's treating her like. Amen. And if you don't love your spouse, that's just what you want. And so when you, when you, can look and see what you're supposed to do and immediately flip it over or then to say, well, I've done that, but it doesn't, no. I've done that and they don't, no. No, no, no. See, again, you want it your way. That's not the way that it is. Amen? Amen? Amen. You got to love them. Hallelujah. Okay, fellas, let's get out of here. We're going through the back door. Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand your feet. Raise your hands up to heaven. Oh. Well, man. I forgot Scott
1: and, 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 uh, yeah. Sorry. What Do you are you want doing? Offering? Do you want to take up the offering? While I go? These guys.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: Well, I forgot Scott. Remember? We got all involved in your talk and we forgot Scott.
0: You was going to say you're babbling, but that's okay, fellas. <laughs> Yes, she was. Go back there and get the question. Okay. Now, you need a tithing envelope, offering envelope. Raise your hand up real high, and these gentlemen will get you one. These ushers will get you one. Uh, as you give, you know it's going to be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men and women are going to give into your bosom. Hallelujah. And we know the tithers is going to have the windows of heaven opened up on them and poured out a blessing that they cannot contain. Now, Father, I join my faith with every giver and every tither here tonight. And I thank you, God, that you are faithful to your word. What you said, you'll do. What you spoke, you'll bring it to pass. Now, God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand your feet and bring your tithing offering unto the Lord.
1: live streamers we are receiving our tithes and offers at this moment as you can see we went uh, a little different order of service and sometimes we do that we like to do that we hope you are blessed uh, by the Q&A from pastor just to hear his heart and to uh, you know and to have hopefully some questions answered but as we sow our seed tonight we just want to invite you out there to give and uh, click click on that uh, give button and sow uh, a seed in the gospel and, um, and then send us a prayer request. Let us hear from you. We want to we wanna hear how God is moving in your life, what he's done, how he's answered. Okay, your fellas, what do you got? You. What believe. you got,
0: Scott? All
1: right. Uh, I just wanted some more understanding on the shouting in the church, like you're know, preaching good, hallelujah, stuff like that. Um, like, uh, it's taken me a little while to understand some things.
0: You mean, should we do it?
1: Uh, I guess when I first started coming here, people were raising their hands. I didn't know, understand that. So I, I found it in the Bible, where that's in the, at in the Bible. I haven't found shouting while you're preaching or teaching. Or I, I'm, when I'm interesting or interested in something, I like to be quiet. And I'm like, be quiet. I want to hear this. You know. If it's really good, I want to hear it. I don't want to miss out on anything. So I'm just trying to yeah. understand. Oh, no.
0: no, I think that it should. And Phyllis says, quit asking the people to give you praise the Lord. But when Herod spoke, they shouted. They said, oh, it's the voice of God. And he never said, no, it it, it, it is the voice of God. It's not me saying it. He took credit for it. Angels smote him and worms ate him up. But they shouted at Herod because he was speaking and they sounded like the voice of God. So do we shout? Why, absolutely. What is an amen? Let it be so. I accept this truth. And so, are there verbal uh, responses to preaching? Absolutely, yeah. You ever talk to your wife? She ever talk back to you? Really? Uh, You ever do things together that are real enjoyable and hear sounds that you don't hear? Talk to me, Scott. Oh, okay. Now you get my point? Yeah. Just don't enjoy it so much you can't open your mouth there you go yeah okay fellas where are you let's go okay we're done hallelujah stand your feet hallelujah father in the name of Jesus we thank you for your truth God just let us be simple people let us just read the Bible God just let's take it God the way that you said it there's nothing more powerful than the absoluteness of God's word Father, let us be true representatives of Christ. That God, as Christ gave his life for us, let us give our life for the brother. God, as you so love the world that you gave your only begotten son, let us love your son so much that we'll give him back to the world. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.